have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 17. Matthew chapter 17. We'll be reading verses 1 through 8 before we do. Let's pray. Our God and Father, it's your time. It's your time to shine in the person of Christ. Reveal him now in his glory and splendor. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Continuing on our theme of the glory of the Redeemer, we will now look at the wonders or the miracles of the Redeemer. I actually encourage you to do a study of the Bible of uh, the miracles uh, in Scripture. Uh, Because most, if not all, of biblical miracles, from what I've observed, uh, they confirm some type of message. Whether it's, God will protect you, or the Lord is faithful, or Jesus is the Christ. And in Matthew 17, we see a message confirmed. A message that is established as true, that is verified. Well, what is that message? It was the same message that we just heard from our brother Joel, as seen in the word of God. There is one God, one made between God and man, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way. He is all satisfying. The only way to God. Remember, we have a sin problem, right? So how could sin be dealt with? Well, before we come to Matthew 17, Jesus tells the disciples something very puzzling. Something that is a difficult statement, hard to understand. The Christ will suffer and die. The long-expected Messiah, the one who the disciples had put all their hope, all their trust, would die. And Peter was baffled by this, so he rebukes the Lord. And that brings us to our text this morning, in which Christ at the Mount of Transfiguration, is his hope is to encourage the disciples in the gospel and to confirm its, his message. His hope is to confirm, encourage the disciples in the gospel, because he's going to die, and to confirm 
his message. And so in the next few minutes, we want to see our hope. We want to see our hope at the Mount of Transfiguration. Transfiguration. We'll begin with our first point, uh, the encouragement of the gospel by seeing the future glory of Christ. While on earth, Jesus performed many miracles, the raising of Lazarus, walking on water, healing a paralytic. However, on the Mount of Transfiguration, a miracle happens to Jesus. And so we're going to look at what happens to Jesus. Read with me again, uh, Matthew 17, verse 2. He, that is Jesus, was transfigured. Jesus was changed by God the Father. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as light. This glimpse of the future glory of Christ was like that of Isaiah's vision. In Isaiah 6, when he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and the angels proclaiming, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This glimpse of Christ's glory is like John's vision in Revelation 1, who fell at his feet as though dead when he saw the splendor of King Jesus. It's December in Memphis, and the sun is out. This morning I went out, uh, looked outside, and I saw the sun, right? The sun, very radiant. If you look at and you see, you see the sun, and it's, it's beaming, right? And I couldn't help as I looked directly at the beam to do this, and to do this. It's amazing if you just look for a second at the sun. Now imagine the disciples looking at the sun, Jesus Christ himself, in future glory. What an encouragement to their souls. For the gospel they heard was not easy. Jesus has said, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die. Wait, that's a confusing statement. But not only that, you too will suffer. You too will have to Leave perhaps your, your family, your friends, what you've always known. But be a good cheer. Look at me in my future splendor. Now, church, if that doesn't excite your heart that one day Christ will be in future glory, well, then read along with me again. Because if we read on, we get to our next point, which says, be encouraged in the gospel by the forerunners of Christ. We want to be encouraged in the gospel by the forerunners of Christ, verses 2 and 3. And he, that is Jesus, was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. From Luke's gospel, we understand that Moses, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, they're talking about Christ's preeminent death. He was going to die. There's much we can say about Moses and Elijah appearing before the Lord. I'd like to focus on a few things. One, Moses represented the law, and Elijah represented the prophets. Both men did many miracles, as did Christ, but yet, let's understand, they were mere men. They're human beings. That's it. Moses died. Elijah was taken up. 
into heaven. And yet they both appear in glory before the Lord for Peter, James, and John to see. Question, how can a man who is dead and one who is taken up into heaven have transfigured bodies, glorified bodies, on a mountain? Answer, I think Moses and Elijah, they confirm Christ's message. Jesus is the Christ. He will suffer. He, he will die, but take heart because he will, like Moses, resurrect. He will be exalted in his kingdom. And everyone who looks on him and believes in him should have eternal life. He, that is Jesus, will raise him up on the last day. Moses and Elijah, forerunners of Christ, their presence on the mount with Christ in glory, their presence alone gave testimony confirming Christ's message of redemption, that he indeed was going to suffer, but there will one day be glory. And therefore was an encouragement that they too, Peter, James, and John, would be either resurrected or taken up to be with Christ. And so, my brothers and sisters, be encouraged by the Mount of Transfiguration. For we too, who hope in Christ, will one day be resurrected for the dead or caught up with Christ in the air. It happened to Moses and Elijah, and it will happen to us. Now, Peter, to give him the benefit of the doubt, Just imagine with him, seeing Christ in glory, right? Seeing him in his splendor. He, he must have not been thinking straight. Uh, seeing Christ in his splendor and then seeing Moses and Elijah, well, where did they come from? Uh, he, he must not have fully grasped what it meant to see a glorified Christ. He didn't put two and two together that seeing Moses and Elijah and hearing them talk about Jesus' death actually confirmed everything that Jesus had proclaimed to them from the beginning. And not to mention the brother had just woken up from a nap. I say this because in verse 4, Peter says, Jesus, Lord, let me build three tents for you, Moses and Elijah. When Peter says this, as Jordan said a few weeks ago, he's basically putting Jesus on the same pedestal as Moses and Elijah. Forerunners, of Christ. Do we do that from time to time? Have a tendency to put Jesus on the same pedestals as others? Not really thinking it through as perhaps Peter was not really thinking it through. A lot of us, we want to see with our eyes Christ in his glory. Well, Peter saw Christ, the glorified Christ. He saw a resurrected Moses. He saw Elijah who had been taken up. And yet, he still didn't quite get it. And so as if he'd heard enough from Peter, God himself steps in, right? Divine intervention. The voice of God drawing Peter unto himself 
The father appears in the, front of the, in the form of a cloud and interrupts Peter and says, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Point three. Be encouraged in the gospel by the father of Christ. Be encouraged in the gospel by the father of Christ. Again, we live in a world that says we need to see Jesus. I need to see him, and then, and only then will I believe. Where is he at? Do you see him? Peter saw him. He beheld him in his glory. He saw Moses and Elijah, and that wasn't good enough. He didn't quite get it. And so God intervenes. Perhaps an incentive version of what the Father might have said to Peter is this. You allow me to use my imagination. Peter... I'm giving you miracle after miracle. Supporting detail after supporting detail. You are not seeing the evidence. Therefore, let me tell you something. Myself. This is my son. He is telling the truth. In fact, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is above Moses and Elijah. They were mere men. He is my son, my delight, the one who dwelt with me in eternity past, Emmanuel, the Savior, Redeemer, perfect high priest. Need I say more? Well then, listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, They saw no one, they saw no one, they saw no one but Jesus. I would like to ask us all something. Do we believe Jesus' message? Do we believe that he is the Christ? Okay, well, so did Peter. He proclaimed it just a few uh, weeks earlier. Do we hope in him? Do we truly believe that he is Emmanuel, God with us? And that he came to save? He was incarnate to die. Do we believe that the resurrected, that Christ will be resurrected and that he ascended into glory? Do we believe that the church is coming, that Jesus is coming back for his church to raise up the dead as he did Moses and to Raise up those who are alive as he did Elijah. Do you, do we believe this gospel message, the words of the Redeemer? If you do, and yet you find yourself sometimes like me not fully grasping it, then I pray that you, that we, like the disciples at the Mount of Transfiguration, that God would open our spiritual eyes only to see Jesus. And that we would meditate on him who was transfigured from God to man. For your sin and for mine. Would you look to him and thank him who in his word gives us a glimpse of his future glory through a miraculous event thus confirming the message of the gospel. And if you do not believe that Jesus and Jesus, nor his work, then I pray that after I do pray, uh, that you would uh, let him talk to you. Uh, 
I want to say to you that the man we've been talking about, King Jesus, is not just any man. He's the Son of Man. He is God. And I implore you, oh, I implore you to listen to him. After I pray, there'll be a time where we can just focus on God's word. Uh, and I pray that we would uh, reflect on it and indeed, as God implored the disciples, that we would listen to him. Father, we thank you uh, for your faithfulness uh, to us, Lord. We pray that uh, we would be quick to hear and that, that we hear no one else, not Moses, not Elijah, not what the world has to say, but we would hear the words of the Redeemer confirmed through such a miraculous event, event at the Mount of Transfiguration. In Jesus' name, amen.